Welcome to another message of hope from Gateway Church Australia. For more information or to contact us, please visit gateway.asn.au. What a saviour. And we know that by the time we get to Easter time, we're going to be lifting the roof for that song. Yeah. Why don't you take a seat? Good morning, everybody. Second week of our important Becoming series. And last week we introduced you to this, this picture of this sculpture. by It's an unfinished sculpture by Michelangelo. And we said how Michelangelo had this ability to take a block of marble and, and he could see almost with x-ray vision the figure that was caught inside the marble. And he felt all he had to do was, was chip away at it to... to to reveal this beautiful sculpture. And we said that we are all unfinished sculptures. And if we're allowing the master to sculpt us and we are becoming disciples of Christ and we are learning to live and love the way that he taught us. And we said that our our whole uh, aim in the church of God is to help you to have a life that is utterly transformed by the power of God, utterly transformed. And when we get to that place of utter transformation, then we become the sort of people for whom living God's way is our natural choice. It's our joy. It's our default setting. We become the sort of people who would have to try very hard not to live like God, not to live like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's something that I will spend the rest of my life working towards. And this series, and really every teaching that we do in this church, is about showing you what that life looks like and calling you up to a higher choice. Now, I heard a story recently from um, a preacher in uh, America named Andy Stanley. He had has this older guy on his board, and one day he was having coffee with him, and, and he'd never actually heard his story And this guy said, well, you wouldn't believe this now, but um, when I was a kid, my home was the most dysfunctional home you could ever imagine. It was so bad that when he was 13, with the help of a trusted adult, he got himself legally removed from his own family. And he was put into a foster family. Uh, It was a solid, loving Christian home, this foster family. And he said to Andy, he said, for the very first time, I got to see a family sitting around a table eating a meal together. For the very first time, he got to see a dad that left the home to a job, earned some money and then brought it back to support the family. For the very first time, he got to go to sleep at night with a sense of peace instead of a sense of of fear. And he, he went on to create a successful family, a loving family, and, and a successful career. And he said to Andy, he said, all I had to do was see it to move towards it. And I know that some of you have grown up in families where, where people loved Jesus and discipleship was, was shown to you on a daily basis, imperfectly, but beautifully, but some of you didn't. 
And some of you need to find places where you can see what living God's way looks like. And hello, that's why the church is here, to help you with that way, to, to see what it looks like modelled. So we want to talk about what it's like in this series to live like Christ, not only in our spiritual life, which, was, which is what we're going to talk about today, but in our relational life, which Rick will talk about next week, in our intellectual life, in our, in our sexual life, and most importantly, in our financial life. And when we see it, when you see what it looks like, then hopefully we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit to move towards it. So today I want to start with the core of everything. If we get this one right, then everything beautiful flows from it. If we get it wrong, then nothing is right. Today, I want to talk about becoming lovers of God. Lovers of God. Now, my question is, what does a lover of God look like? Well, probably the closest we get this side of heaven is the love that we feel for a child or um, a good friend or a parent or a partner. And it's so much deeper than affection. I, um, I was watching a series by David Letterman on, um, I think it's Netflix, where he's interviewing um, people. And he interviewed George Clooney. And of course, me quite liking George Clooney, thought I might watch that. And uh, George Clooney, interesting character. He has dated probably half of Hollywood, only the female half, by the way. And um, as those of us who have watched his career through the gossip magazines, not that I read those very often, through the years, uh, realise that we weren't sure George was ever going to find a partner, you know, he was just going from woman to woman. But then he did meet this beautiful woman, Amal, who was a um, human rights lawyer, and he now has twin children. And it was interesting, he, he said to David, when he met Amal, something strange happened to him. He said all of a sudden he found that her happiness was a much higher priority than his own. And being a bachelor for so many years, this was, this was a radical thing to him. And then he had these twin kids and he said he felt in his heart that he would lay down his life for those children. And he said, oh my Lord, this is what love feels like. And us in the church have been going, duh, we've known that for generations, for centuries. We know we love God when our whole lives are submitted to him. Now that sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? But I told you last week, Christians are extreme people. And this is what Jesus calls us to. You know, it's interesting to see the way Jesus called people in the, um, in the Gospels, in the stories of Jesus. There were two of his earliest followers who were a couple of fishermen. They were just like, you know, bogan guys. But they, they heard Jesus teaching and they were attracted to him. And they started following him around. And um, Jesus noticed them and he asked them what they were looking for and he, he said to them, why don't, you just, why don't you just come along and see? Come and see. And they did. 
and they stayed. And they become one of uh, Jesus' 12 right-hand men, his disciples. But later, we read Jesus saying to these same followers some very challenging words. He says this, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who keeps his life for himself shall lose it. But anyone who loses his life for me shall find it again. What profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose eternal life? What can be compared with the value of eternal life? So what does a lover of God look like? It looks like someone who has moved from come and see to come and die. Why, why do I love God? Why would anyone love God that much? I love him because he first loved me. Brian, he sang this beautiful song last week. Uh, if you missed it, it's on Church at Home this week. Please go and have a look at it. And it, it spoke about God seeing us even when we're in our mother's womb and knowing us and loving us and having a plan for our lives even then. In, uh, in the book of 1 John, it says, Our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. So I love him because he loved me. I also love him because of his nature and his character. I see the beauty of God all around me. I dare you to go to a museum where there is a display of butterflies from all over the world and not be amazed by the incredible beauty of this creator, God. I, I also... I also love him because in his nature and character, he has put so much goodness into the world. You know, I hear people say, oh, I don't know how you can believe in a God. There's so much suffering and brokenness in the world. Yes, there is. But when I look around the world, I see so much goodness and kindness and love and grace and mercy. Where do those people think that comes from? That is part of the nature of our God. In the, in the book of Psalms, there are some words where the psalmist is describing God. And these words appear over and over again in the Bible, which indicate they are the very essence of who God is. And it says this, But Lord, your nurturing love is tender and gentle. You are slow to get angry, yet so swift to show your faithful love. You are full of abounding grace and truth. That's the nature of God. But when it comes to loving God, probably the most important reason is what he did for me, what he did for you, the cross. He took all of our brokenness upon himself and he died the death that we should have died in order that we can live the life that he wants for us. He is our gateway to eternity. I was watching a TED talk the other day. Young Christian guy, an artist, he had this idea of doing something cool, probably so he could do a TED talk about it one day, but the idea was to, to find 100 random people in coffee shops and restaurants and on the street 
And he said to them, would you come and let me buy you a cup of coffee and uh, I'm going to draw you, because he was an artist. And he said, while I'm doing that, I'm going to ask you a question. So we got 100 people who said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. So here's the question he asked them. If you believed in heaven and if you believed in God, under what circumstances do you think God would allow you into heaven? Now, I wonder if you were having a cup of coffee and they asked you that question, what you would answer. Now, it, was, it wasn't surprising to me that most people said something along the lines of, well, I'd probably get into heaven because I'm not an axe murderer. You know, I, I, I'm pretty nice. I look after my family. There were some people that were honest enough to say, if I was God, I would not let me into heaven. <laughs> but... For most people, they felt that their good deeds probably outweighed their bad, so they'd probably get into heaven. Now, that didn't surprise me. What did surprise me and surprise him was that even people who, who professed to be Christian people said the same thing. They said, well, I'm reasonably good, so I think I'd get into heaven. Now, if that is what you would answer, I would like to apologise on behalf of everyone who has ever taught from this church stage for failing you. Because that is the wrong answer. It is wrong because we are missing the single most liberating, wonderful, radical truth about Christian faith that makes it stand apart from every other world religion. And that is, when it comes to eternity, it is not about what we do, it is what Jesus has done on our behalf. And this is a radical, radical thing. And we, we could never reach the level of holiness required by a holy God. We could never do that. It is his righteousness that God sees when he looks at us. He died so that we could live. It is not what I do. It is what Jesus has done. And I'm, I pray that when you're, you get you know, contacted by that weird Ted guy and he wants to ask you that question, you'd say the answer is God. I, I'm going to heaven, but it's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, well, we've been saying that throughout this series, we're going to be giving you some sort of extra stories and some, some extra going deeper stuff. And uh, that is already on video. You can access it through the Gateway email that you would have got on Friday. If you're not signed up for Gateway email, you're missing out on a lot. So do it. That on this week's Going Deeper, I have read a story, a story that probably at the age of eight helped me to fall in love with Jesus. And I dare you to listen to that story and not fall in love with him as well. You can either watch it yourself or if you're in your life groups, you can watch that on video and you'll be talking about it. It can also say if you're not already in a life group, this connect form where it says next steps, there's a, a tick there for joining a life group, even for the next couple of weeks. It will help you to get so much more out of what we're doing in this series. In Romans, we read this, his gift of love and favour now cascades over us. I love that. All because Jesus has liberated us from guilt 
punishment and the power of sin. Okay, what does, what does it feel like to love God? Any of you parents had a kid come home from school and have their first crush? Say, Mum, Dad, what's it feel like to fall in love? How do you know he's the one? What does it feel like to fall in love? You know, when it comes to God, I have seen people literally be bowled over by, I'm, I'm talking, you know, on the floor, by the power of, of the love of God. I've seen that. I've also read stories of people, oh, John Wesley, great um, preacher of the Christian church, 1700s. He was an Anglican pastor, very intellectual, used to preach about God. But it was here, but it wasn't here. And he tells this story of being on a ship and a storm came, because everyone got, gets creepy when storm comes when you're on ships. And he witnessed this group of Christians, Moravian Christians, gathering, and they were praying passionately to a God, and he, he could see something different. It, it, they didn't only know about God, they loved him, and they had this personal relationship with him. And John Wesley said that he felt his heart strangely warmed. How very British. <laughs> and that was John Wesley's moment of falling in love with God. And you know, he went back to Britain and totally changed the face of Christianity in that country. Revival broke out right all over the place. Incredible. But I've also seen love of God as a friendship that slowly develops into a love story as people hang around the church, hang around people that love God. But great love is always, always multidimensional. You know, I, I feel my love for God in my emotions. I know I love him in my rational mind. And I act my love for God in my actions, in my service to others. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Multidimensional. So you might be saying, that's all very, that sounds great, Marcy. This whole thing about loving God sounds great, but I don't feel it. How do you fall in love with God? Well, let me, let me just give you two, two clues. Firstly, read your Bible. The Bible is God's love story to us. And I know it's, it's, you know it's a big book. Where do I start? Well, we haven't got time to, to do it today, but I've written on your outline, Romans 8, 31 to 39. Even if you went home this week and read those verses every morning for a week, you will start to, to experience something of what God, God wants to say to you. Secondly, hang around with lovers of God. Hang around with lovers of God. That's, that's the importance of the church. You know, we don't learn to love Jesus generally through great knowledge about him. Learning to love is found along relational pathways. Family, friends, other people who know God and experience him. We are loved into loving God. And can I, can I just give an encouragement to those of you here who are parents 
or those of you who are becoming parents. The greatest discipleship that has ever happened through the centuries has always happened from parent to child. Children learn to love Jesus, mainly through parents who love Jesus. So I, I just want to, I see parents all over this room here who are already loving their children and loving their grandchildren into loving God. We are loved into loving Jesus. I want to finish with a letter that uh, I read on the internet. Uh-oh, you all say. Sent by a friend of mine. It was written by a doctor in Queensland. He was going through a hard time and he was trying to express what he felt about the love of God. But I want to start with a riddle. Here's the riddle. God is all-powerful. We always say God is all-powerful. But there is actually one thing that he cannot do. What do you think that might be? I'm amazed how moody I am at times. I've had those moments when I take out life's frustrations on those I love most. It's certainly not something I wake up thinking, let's see how I can hurt those closest to me today. But I know I do it. I know myself well enough to own my shadows and I'm so grateful God isn't like me. You see, I can choose every day how I'm going to treat those around me but God can't choose. It's the one thing he cannot do. Because God is love, he can't make a decision to one day stop loving me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it is impossible for him to stop loving you? Do you believe he is sharing with you right now, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, moody, depending on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine. Too many of us have distorted the image of God into an eternal, small-minded, old bookkeeper. There is nothing that can replace the authority of knowing God personally and directly. Are you astonished at the goodness of God? Stunned that he would even bother to call you by name? Are you bewildered by the fact that all that is good is ours, not by right, but by the sheer bounty of a gracious God? Is your deepest awareness of yourself that you are deeply loved by God and have done nothing to earn it or deserve it? Whatever is going on in your life, be reminded that God doesn't want us to come to him with our head lowered, eyes fixed to the floor. No, no, no. Don't ever confuse your perception of yourself with the mystery that you're 
truly accepted just as you are. And he is holding your head up, gazing into your eyes and saying, I want you to always remember the incredible, staggering, overwhelming, mind-boggling love that I have for you just as you are, not as you should be. I love you beyond worthiness and unworthiness. I love you in the morning sun and in the evening rain without caution, regret, boundary, limit. No matter what's going down, I cannot stop loving you. That's the God we can fall in love with. But it will cost you everything. But he wants to give you everything. We're going to talk to God. A really short prayer, but really profound. And if as I pray it, you find your soul responding with a yes, Lord, then today could be the beginning of something incredible for you. So let's pray. God, you deserve so much more of me than what I've given you. Help me to move from come and see to come and die. Amen.